Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast and welcome back after the festive season. I am sending you lots of love. I wonder how it was for you. Hmm, so common to have lots of big feelings over that festive season period and afterwards. So as always, you know me, I'm sending you absolute unconditional love to all the feelings that you're feeling right now as you listen to this and all the feelings that you felt over that time. So actually, I'm even going to just invite you to pause for a moment and perhaps you're doing something else while you do this. And of course, if you're driving, please take into account what I'm offering. I invite you to keep your hands on the steering wheel. You might be folding washing or I don't know, whatever it is you're doing. I invite you to pause for a moment. Maybe even just connecting with your breathing. Maybe even you want to put one of your hands on your beautiful heart. Just connect in. That might even be an invitation to just see how are you feeling right now. Are you willing to receive unconditional love to exactly how you're feeling? Are you willing to reflect back on what happened and send love to that past you over the last few weeks? Hmm. And I wonder what you're wanting and needing right now and as you look forward to this new year, 2024. I have a sense it's going to be a big and powerful year for many of us, perhaps for our world. Hmm. So I'm returning to this theme of food, feelings and trust, this series that's been happening for some while now. So we've really looked a lot at babies and at children And in today's episode, I really want to invite you, if you'd like to, to connect in with your own relationship with food. Because just as we've looked back at babies and children and all the ways that this culture invites us to disconnect from our innate body wisdom in relation to food, as well as many other things and all the ways that living in this culture can make it harder for us to stay connected with ourselves and to really trust our body is so wise and knows exactly what, when and how much to eat and when to stop. So what I'd really love to do today is to really support you, invite you if you'd like to, to see if there are ways that you might like to return to more deep trust, more deep self-connection with your amazing body and your intrinsic body wisdom. And I imagine this might be a helpful time of year to do it, which is why one of the reasons I think that it came to me to go, ah, let's do this episode today. Because at the beginning of this Gregorian calendar, it's often a time, or historically there's been a New Year's resolutions, haven't they? I wonder if you do anything like that, your own versions of that. 
So if you're familiar with my Marian Method work, you know that I talk about willingness work and I find this is a really powerful time of year for willingness. And I also really want to remind you that although in the Gregorian calendar we're already in the new year, that that's just one of the many calendars, not only around the world right at this moment, but also historically and many different ways of connecting into a sense of newness and new potential. So the reason I offer that is to invite you to connect in with, do you have a sense of wanting something different for this new year, however you term the new year? So that might also depend on where you live in the world right now, whether you're in the midst of the deep dark winter or whether you're in high summer like I am in Australia and that can also have a really big impact on where we are and how we are in terms of listening to our bodies and I do really want to name that lots of what I'm going to be talking about today is more the Marian method which is really the the reparenting and reculturing although it's all resonant with and in alignment with aware parenting so I really always want to make it as clear as I possibly can about what is aware parenting and what's the Marian method and so this of course is deeply informed by aware parenting because we all grew up we were all babies and children once so all the things that I've been sharing about in relation to food and babies and children will be relevant to us in our past and in the MM work I talk about our younger parts and some of the ways that we'll be talking about how we can move with that might be more specific to the Marian method because it's really so much of the work is based on lovingness and willingness and I love that about this work because growing up in the disconnected domination culture most of us learnt that the way to create change particularly if it's something about ourselves perhaps our relationship with our body or with food we might have been conditioned to believe that the only way that we could do that was through judging ourselves judging how our body looks or judging how we feel or judging what we've been eating and the only way to make changes is to coerce ourselves to do things and to deny ourselves things so much of it is so based on harshness and on coercion so that's the opposite of love is all the the harshness of judgment self-denial self-disconnection and the opposite of will is the coercion and the force and the have to and the got to and the, the not listening to our own timing so what I'd really love to do today is to support you to really listen into yourself with deep, deep, deep compassion. And if you are picking up any sticks right now, any what I call emotional sticks, which are the self-judgment or the guilt or the shame, those are all emotional sticks that we learn to pick up in the disconnected domination culture. I will be inviting you to put those down. And that might be with the simple words, I am not willing to judge myself here. I'm not willing to shame myself. I'm not willing to pick up that guilt stick. 
because as aware parenting supports us to really understand, there are always really important reasons why we are doing what we're doing. And yes, some of those reasons might now be outdated, but they always make sense in terms of the family, culture and time that we grew up in. So whatever your relationship with food is, I really trust that it makes sense, even if it hasn't quite made sense to you yet, but if you were to explore more, I trust that it will make sense to you. Which is why I don't ever use the term disorder, and thinking about the term eating disorder, for example. I believe that when we look at someone's history and someone's culture and the time that they live in, whatever they do in terms of everything, but in this case eating, always makes sense when we really dive in deep to look at what happened, when it happened, why. We're always, again, it's our innate wisdom is always operating. It's just that so often it's operating on beliefs that come from this disconnected domination culture that aren't true, aren't accurate or aren't compassionate. So I really invite you to put down those sticks and see if you're willing to be deeply compassionate with yourself. So if you are familiar with the Marian Method work and you already have connected with your inner loving mother, for example, you might want to have her right close by right now as you're listening to be offering you love, to be letting you know, I am right here with you, sweetheart. I am listening. I love you exactly as you are. So returning to that love and that will, what I love about this work is that rather than making change in our relationship with our f- with food and with our bodies through self-judgment and coercion we can do it through deep deep self-compassion self-love and willingness and i'd love to share that from my own example experience i actually shared a post and an email today about my own journey with exercise and flexibility, mobility, strength. And you may even remember, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time or you've listened to episodes years ago, that some years ago I was sharing about how much I was enjoying doing strength training and how strong I was and I had these muscles that I'd never had before and I loved that so much. And for various reasons, I stopped that a little while back. And so I share in the post, in the email about that process and why I did that. And my return to willingness and how I've done that without any judgment of myself. So my body is not as strong as it was then and... I've gained weight since then. Quite a few of the clothes I wore back then don't actually fit comfortably. But I'm not willing to judge myself because I really trust I wasn't willing to do that then. And I really trust what happened. And 
I send lots of love often to my body, particularly because it was over the winter. And like, thank you so much, lovely body. I really trust that you you needed to have more weight on for that winter period and that you wanted to be more mm, still. And I have a desire to become more strong again and to be able to fit into the clothes that I really love and all kinds of other things that go with that and to be more mobile and to live a really long healthy life which I believe is really important to be strong and mobile to have that beautiful quality of life and to be able to keep contributing for many 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 more decades so that's an example of unconditionally loving myself and my body not willing to judge myself not willing to judge the actions I've taken and I really deeply trust what I did and again in the post or the email I go through all those different reasons there's really specific reasons why I stopped and in doing my willingness work there were a number of different things that I wanted to have do or be in order to be fully willing to move back into doing what's required so that my body is stronger and mobile again so that's not through any kind of coercion or force there's no I have to or I should or I must so there's no self-judgment with all the harsh thoughts and there's no self-coercion so that's how in the Marian method work we can really work with love and well we can bring about and create powerful and strong change without doing it in those disconnected domination culture ways. And what a difference that makes. And I wonder if you've experienced that, the huge difference that happens, the experience and how different it is when we really make change from that beautiful lovingness and willingness. So the other thing I'd love to say as well, that this topic of course can help us connect with lots of big feelings and those might be big feelings because you're tempted to pick up sticks but they also might be big feelings because as a culture food really is used a lot to suppress feelings and I'm going to talk about that so as always I really really invite you to listen into yourself and to listen in to your yeses and nos, again, that's key to the Marian method work. And to press stop if at any point your body, your incredibly beautiful wise body is telling you to stop. You may also feel called to reach out afterwards to have a conversation if you have a listening partner or empathy buddy or partner or friend or aware parenting instructor or if you're working one-on-one with me to share about what showed up for you when you listen to this. So, if this was a book, that would be the intro chapter. (laughs) Talking about books, that's on my mind. My book, I'm here and I'm listening. The sample copy is right here in front of me, on top of my last book, The Emotional Life of Babies, and I love it so much. I'm completely in love with it. I did an edit of this sample copy so that's the first time I've seen it in you know, actually book form rather than digital form 
And my lovely, wonderful copy editor, Belinda Smith, who's also an aware parenting instructor. She's done her edit. And my also wonderful typesetter is making all those changes now. So there'll be a bit more editing to go on the digital version of that again. And that book is going to be out really, really soon. So I just mentioned that anyway, because I love it. And I'm so willing for it to reach a lot of people. And if you're called to buy it or share about it or anything that you can do to support it to going out to more people I'm really grateful to you already so I do invite you to keep an ear out and an eye out or wherever you do that on social media if you're on my email list if you're not feel free to join up because I'm so willing for it to reach lots and lots and lots of parents and other folk who care about children and their inner children because this book has a lot 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 about our own reparenting so many of the chapters they have a chapter on for example control patterns for children and then one for us as adults and there's quite a lot in there so the chapter on food is quite big so I'm really happy with that And some of the things I'm going to be mentioning here, I do also talk about in the book. So if you want to dive in more to that, uh, that will be coming out really soon. So there's the introduction. (laughs) And next is chapter one. So again, I really want to invite you to be inquiring within as you listen to this. So you might even want to just connect in now. Again, you might want to press pause after you've listened to this bit to see where you are in your relationship with food and again I really want to normalize that in the disconnected domination culture it is so common for most of us to have to some degree or another disconnected from our innate body wisdom and to not really have that deeply embodied self-connected trusting relationship with our body, really knowing exactly what food we need, when we need it, really able to listen and understand the cues that our body tells us when we are hungry and to know what we are hungry for and to know when we've had enough and to know if a food is not helpful for us or to know when a food really is and to be able to discern that from all kinds of other sensations in our bodies feelings and thoughts that might be overriding so again I just really want to offer that it's going back to I've talked about many times in here you know we come into the world I think with two core needs as babies number one is to be deeply connected with our innate wisdom and the other is to fit into the culture and family that we're born into and because the culture that most of us lives in now is really not in tune with what is the most helpful thing for us in many ways, but including with food. It's so normal that most of us have learned various ways, shapes and forms to not be connected with that deep knowing. So as always, I really want to remind you of that, how normal that is. So as you reflect, I wonder if there are certain things that Perhaps you're never quite sure whether you're hungry or not. Perhaps you eat because of particular times of day rather than 
because your body tells you that you're hungry. Perhaps you often don't know what to eat or what you need. Perhaps you eat things and you feel uncomfortable afterwards or you're not able to sleep afterwards or the next morning you feel sensations in your body that are uncomfortable. Perhaps you eat more than your body needs and you often feel discomfort after eating because you're not quite sure how to discern when to stop or there are all kinds of other things that might prevent you from stopping when your body knows that or a myriad of other things and again I invite you to be deeply compassionate with yourself here to imagine that you're responding to yourself as you would respond to your child when you're in the most in love with them space that you possibly can be or with your best friend when it's their birthday or with your beloved when you're falling in love with them <laughs> like when you feel the most loving self your deep true loving nature are you willing to respond to yourself in that way to be that love that you are so i love maps of three as you know and again if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you know i often love to talk about maps of three and so grateful to Aletha Salter, the founder of Aware Parenting, who really names that map of three things that cause challenging behavior in children. And as you probably know, I've really extended that out as a map that I find really helpful to understand us as adults too. And I think, again, it's a real fit for here in relation to food, that our relationship to food and drink can be from these three elements from thoughts from needs and physiology biology and feelings so thoughts needs feelings so let's go through all of those so thoughts information so again really really in terms of the disconnected domination culture many of us have an overlay of thoughts over the top of the sensations in our body so those might be things that we learned growing up like you shouldn't you shouldn't have x y and z or you can't or you or you have to and that might be in terms of you have to eat breakfast cereal for breakfast or you have to eat savory food before sweet food or you shouldn't ever eat with your hands or it's rude there's a lovely shaming word that is really popular in the ddc isn't it it's very rude to eat with your mouth open <laughs> any any kinds of things that we might have learned so there are thoughts and beliefs that we might have acquired very early on we might be acquiring them now through just conversations that we're having with other people There might also be information that we're deliberately searching for. Many of us have been on a journey with food, haven't we? I wonder if you have. Searching to understand what is more helpful for our bodies and looking at research. If you're on social media, it might be you following people on Instagram. Maybe you've gone through various different ways of understanding food over the years and I know for myself I'm 55 at the moment and as I look back over the decades I remember all the different kind of cultural beliefs that came into 
fashion, we could say, and then went back out again. I remember in the early 80s, maybe even late 70s, I'm not quite sure, when the whole thing, there was, it was margarine, you know, butter was a terrible, terrible thing. So margarine was the thing. And I remember when soy milk came in and then soy milk went out and then there was, I don't know, I just remember random things like goji berries. I remember there's a whole goji berry phase in, in about, when would that have been? Late 90s. I'm sure you can probably remember all kinds of different phases. I imagine most of you are probably younger than me. But can you remember? It was all the thing. Like I remember when fermenting really came in and became really the thing. And so we can really see that there are these different phases. There's also new information coming out. So more recently, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about the gut biome. So there's, there's new information coming in. There's often new old information coming in in terms of again you know how passionate I am about really looking at our innate wisdom and how our bodies really are still meant to live similar to how we lived as hunter-gatherers so often the information coming out is actually more ancient knowledge and wisdom and we're often returning to that we're often deconditioning ourselves so I imagine you might have been through that process. I think many people are who are looking at different ways of doing things. So if you're interested in or into aware parenting, it's probably likely that you've explored different beliefs about food as well. You might have been vegetarian or vegan. Often that's called plant-based nowadays. So again, even the language changes over the years. So I'm just sending love to you in your whole food journey and all the different thoughts and beliefs you've maybe acquired over the years, maybe released over the years. And what I really enjoy too, again, for the Marian Method work, is that willingness to keep on learning new things that are going to be helpful for me and for my family in terms of wellness. So I wonder if you have that too, right? You learning new modalities. I love when... A a new modality comes to me and I deeply resonate with it and I can dive in and really understand more about our amazing bodies and psyches and so on. So my invitation is to be curious and to be willing to question thoughts and beliefs and particularly those that perhaps you learned growing up. I think those can be really helpful to question but also even, I don't know about you, but I know for me in my younger years when I still was hitting myself with sticks and more coercive with myself that I might learn some new information, but then I would apply it in a not very compassionate way in relation to food or I would be quite coercive with myself in relation to it. I don't do that anymore, but that might be something. So you might learn about this particular thing with food uh, but then apply it in a way that's actually not very self-connected or not very self-compassionate our conditioning is so strong that we can take in new information but still kind of apply it in the old ways can't we and again I know I, I did that in my early years of aware parenting and I know from working with lots of mentees over the year that, that over the years that's really common too I wonder if you've done that that we may resonate with this information but we may then judge ourselves on what we're doing in our parenting we might coerce ourselves to do certain things we might should ourselves that we should be doing non-directive child-centered play every day and rather than listening to our willingness rather than listening to our needs rather than deeply listening into ourselves 
So again, I wonder if you've noticed yourself doing that in relation to food. So with thoughts, what can we do there is, as always, listen in, listen in to ourselves. You might even want to play with just writing down some of your core beliefs about food. What do you believe about it? What do you believe about meals? What do you believe about what's required for health in relation to food? And to see, does that resonate with you? As always, I think that's the most helpful barometer we have is to listen in. Do I actually have a full body yes for this information now? And we may have done last year, but we may may not be quite a yes for us now. We might have a sense, oh, I'd actually like to, I'm willing to learn some new information here. Or, hmm, do you know what? This doesn't, this isn't a yes for me. I have a no for this now. So again, that can be part of like just the listening in and just again really noticing the conditioning so if you notice that you've got harsh thoughts or the have to can't shouldn't thoughts to see if you're willing to gradually drop those harsh sticks drop that self-coercion to come back to more deep self-compassion and willingness instead so that's the thoughts part Let's move to our needs. And in that needs category, I often like to include our physiology as well, our biology, whatever word you'd like to use. So food, of course, and drink can meet our need for sustenance and fuel for hydration, things that are vital to life. They can also meet many other needs. And again, what I love is the more we understand what food and drink is meeting what need the more clarity we have the more information we have about that the more we can make aligned choices so that's why i always love really differentiating out these three elements and again in the marion method work i talk about thoughts feelings needs feelings and healing feelings the feelings that arise out of these three different elements of our being so again, I invite you to inquire within what other needs is food meeting or coming from. So that might even be just things like warmth. So maybe if you're in the middle of winter right now, you might be really enjoying having a lovely whatever it is that you love, tea or hot chocolate or a warm drink where you can wrap your hands around the mug. And as you as you sip, sip this beautiful warm drink, you can really feel that. Ah. A lovely warmth that can be really supportive for us, can't it? And similarly, if you live in a similar part of the world where I live, we've had some really hot weather recently. We've had some 35, 36, 37 degree days and you might live in other parts of the world where you use Fahrenheit. Anyway, trust that makes sense. Quite hot. <laughs> and I know on those days, I like to get in the freezer and find a lovely refreshing fruity ice block to support my body to feel cooler but of course there are many many other elements there can be elements of food that are more addictive so there are elements of the food that are when we eat them we want to eat them more and that can be just the innate intrinsic elements that are in particular foods or they can be added there deliberately because they're addictive so 
that's going to override what our body's telling us or it could it can override that I think I've shared this before my understanding is that certain companies will spend a lot of time researching what is the exact crunch of a a crisp or a chip to make it really really so satisfying that we might then want to eat the whole packet and then go and buy more packets of them And of course, then there can be other issues. Again, we talked a bit about the gut biome or there can be allergies and tolerances, again, which can, again, I really trust our bodies and that there are deep, deeper reasons for that, that we can follow and trace back to the source. But in the interim, that might also give different information than what our body might innately want. And of course, then there's all kinds of other things like needs for community and connection. Eating meals together has always been such a core part of so many cultures, so many traditions, so many religions, so many holiday festivals, particular types of food at particular times. So often really core and in some cultures like so central. So that might be part of your culture. There might be. Uh, particular kinds of food particular times it's there's a lot of energy put into to food and to meals and to family celebrations and those might be things that you really really love you might love that you might not love it you might have experienced that recently like over if you celebrate Christmas or if you're in America and you celebrate Thanksgiving you know, there are all kinds of traditions that different cultures have in relation to food and again there might be things you go yum I love this and my body loves that or you might not those might not be the types of foods that your body wants at all at that time of year and then there can be attempts to meet physiological needs that aren't being met by other types of foods or by other experiences so it might be for entertainment. We might be feeling bored. We might be needing some stimulation, entertainment, connection, and we're not getting those needs met, so we might want to eat. We might feel lonely. We might have all kinds of unmet needs that lead to painful feelings, and we're meeting those needs through food. And so obviously we're going to talk more about the feelings part and eating food to suppress feelings or eating food as control patterns that's what we're going to move into as well so I wonder if any of those resonate with you how you feel when you go through that list what jumps out at you and again I'll to be really compassionate with yourself again it'd be really helpful to reflect on that you know, do you recognize any of those needs for you Do you eat to meet other needs that actually you would prefer to meet those needs in different ways? Again, I'm sending you lots of love. If you have any feelings right now, I'm sending you lots of love, lots of compassion. And then there's feelings or healing feelings because, of course, we can feel needs feelings. We can feel lonely when we need connection. We can feel bored when we need stimulation. So those would be needs feelings. And the thoughts, feelings in the Marian method are things like guilt. So guilt usually comes from should thinking, for example. But here I'm talking about eating to suppress feelings or to dissociate from them. 
And again, I'm sending you oodles and oceans and mountains of love because this is one of the most common control patterns, I think, in our culture at this time. A control pattern in aware parenting being a repeated way to suppress or mildly dissociate from feelings. So imagine probably one of the other core ones is screens, but I would say screens and food are probably two of the most common ones. Do you agree? <laughs> and so again, I'd like you to put down any sticks. If you do suppress your feelings with food, I want to say, of course you do. Of course you do. So again, you might want to inquire within. Do you know already, without even listening to any more, do you know for sure that food or certain types of food or drink are one of the ways that you suppress your painful feelings or dissociate from painful feelings? So there might be a general thing of food or drink, or it might be specific things that you know that when you're upset, you reach for the chocolate or the cake or the fizzy drinks or the alcohol or whatever it is and that might also be that you just notice that when you're tired you eat or first thing in the morning you want to eat something or drink something straight away and not from a need so not from hunger or thirst but because there are painful feelings bubbling away that you want to suppress and again I invite you to if you're in a position that's you're safe and comfortable to do so and to just again to pause and see if you're willing just to connect in with your breathing and maybe put your hand on your heart. <sighs> I'm sending you so much love. And what can happen on the top of that, again, very, very common. So we most of us live in the disconnected domination culture where we don't live in big communities where many of our needs are not routinely met and where it's, most of our feelings weren't heard when we were babies and children and teens and younger adults and then we learn to judge ourselves on the top of that so that might be an extra painful feelings on the top do you ever say oh I shouldn't do that or you stop yourself <laughs> from doing that because you're being harsh with yourself and again that's what I really want to invite you to be deeply compassionate with yourself and to remember of course if you do suppress your feelings with food of course you do sweetheart of course you do because you grew up in a culture where most people still don't understand the healing power of expressing feelings and how all babies and children need to regularly cry and rage with loving support to express and release those feelings and to move out of that fight, flight, freeze back into homeostasis to calm and relaxation. That's still not common knowledge yet. <laughs> I'm here to support that change to happen, as I imagine you might be. So most of us grew up without that supportive environment to express our feelings to cry when we felt sad to rage when we felt outraged and to have those feelings lovingly heard most of us would have experienced at times having harsh judgments when we felt sad or we wanted to cry or we were crying or we were having a tantrum when we were too 
So again, we would have internalized those past judgments. Most of us would have heard thoughts that there was something wrong with the child who cried arranged. But most of all, most of us have did not experience growing up as babies, as children, as teens, someone being lovingly present with us whilst we expressed our sadness, our rage, our confusion, our overwhelm, our fear, who were deeply present in their bodies with their feelings, feeling calm, able to be with us through a whole big cry, even if it was an hour and a half of crying, that they could stay present with us and listen lovingly and feel comfortable and to communicate to us a deep trust in our bodies and our feelings to know that we are safe and all was well and that we would come out the other side feeling huge relief so it's really common that when we would feel feelings like that that we wouldn't move into expressing those feelings and that can be also through talking through play but also through crying and raging, many of us learn to eat when we're upset. And that might be because that's what we experience directly. So this happens, and I've shared about this before many times, Aletha talks a lot about this, how particular control patterns often get passed down in families. So eating can be a common one that's passed down in families. So... If your parents interpreted their upset feelings as hunger and eat when they're upset, then when you're a baby, they may well have interpreted that when you were starting to cry that you were hungry and that you weren't getting enough food or they gave you more food or introduced solids at a very early age or just you know gave you more food basically when you're upset. And so you would have then learned to interpret, ah, this sensation, this particular feeling in my body, that's hunger. So when I feel this feeling, I'm going to ask for food or go to the cupboard or fridge or whatever it is. So this gets passed down really, really easily in that really direct way. But also it can be passed down more indirectly. So that can be just simply if we witness other people. And that, again, could be our parent or parents or family members clearly going to the fridge when they're upset or always having a particular drink, a hot drink, when clearly we could tell, hmm, gosh, they're quite agitated and look, they're doing that and then they're not agitated. Oh, okay, I'm going to do that too. And again, often it isn't that conscious, (laughs) but we learn through observation as children. Again, we're meant to do that to fit into the family culture we're born into. Or it can be something that we just discover ourselves, that we just notice that when we eat ice cream or bread or whatever it is, that there's a sensation of numbness, that if we felt sad, we then move into, you know, dissociated state. We don't feel those feelings anymore when we eat that particular food. So again... Our innate body wisdom is saying, okay, well, my feelings aren't being listened to here. They're unbearable to be with on my own because I'm a child. And again, we're not thinking these things. So 
I'm going to keep eating all this bread or all these cookies or all this chocolate or all these potatoes or whatever the food is that helps us feel numb or distracts us. So it can be that some foods are more kind of numbing in themselves or more it can be more that we're distracted by the sensations and the flavours and textures and so on. All different ways that it happens. And in terms of those three ways that we can learn to eat and drink to suppress feelings or mildly dissociate from them or majorly dissociate from them, it can also be a combination of those as well. So it's really complex, of course, and there can be all of these different factors as well, thoughts, needs and feelings too here. So it's an incredibly complex, multifaceted relationship that each of us has with food, which is why it can be so enjoyable, like in our own inner journey or with a mentor to really be exploring all the different layers and levels and revealing that, oh my gosh, look at that, and I didn't realise that, and ah, yes exploring our family history as well for example so I've often noticed that and again I've talked about this before families where there's been famine or particular themes around food starvation in the family line that that can show up so again it's always our innate wisdom we're always doing what we can to be safe to belong to be loved Just as we become adults, we don't actually need those ways anymore, but we're still using them, of course, because, again, we're wise and having things on automatic is helpful so that we have plenty of extra spaciousness to be able to concentrate on all the other millions of things that we need to to do in the day. So, again, what I want to come back to, though, is like, no wonder it then can be really hard to be able to differentiate between the sensations in our body and like, oh, this is hunger and this is hunger for this particular type of food or gosh, I really trust my callings, my yeses. Again, that's something most of us uh, growing up in this culture you know, got told you can't have what you really want or don't be greedy or kinds of judgments that we then internalize and then we don't listen to our yeses, to our desires, to our preferences. And actually, again, our innate wisdom would be like, wow I just really want to eat I've got some sunflower seeds sitting in front of me I just really want to eat sunflower seeds and I want to eat lots of them for the next three days I mean that's actually not I'm not feeling that at the moment but that might be what you have or you might have wanted to eat whatever the food was just on an ongoing basis for day after day after day a lot of a particular type of food because your body knew that actually you really needed that but you might have been told, no, you have to eat a balanced diet or no, you can't have that meal again or no, you had that for lunch or no, I'm not willing for you to have that. All of the things that we might have heard that we then don't trust our callings, our body's wisdom. And part of that process can be differentiating between do I really, really want this because my body knows it's what I need Or do I really, really want this because it's more of a craving? And the craving can either be because we are telling ourselves we shouldn't have it or because it's got a particular element in it that our body just wants lots of, even though it's actually not what our body really needs. 
or because we've got a lot of big feelings and we're really just desperate to, to eat lots and lots so we do not feel that deep pain that we're feeling. So it's a lot, isn't it, to differentiate out. And especially if you're having a busy life, which I imagine most of you do, if we're parents or grandparents just living in the DDC is usually busy, isn't it? So there's already a bazillion other things to be tending to. And often to actually have the time and the emotional spaciousness to inquire into these things, it requires a slowing down and having some space to really feel into ourselves, having the emotional support, most of all, to actually be able to inquire, question, look at, feel. It's a lot, isn't it? So... You know me, I'm, well, you might not know me. Hello, (laughs) if you don't know me. I really value in in working with mentees, for example, really appreciating our control patterns, including food. So if you eat to suppress feelings or dissociate from them, I'm going to be sending you so much love and I invite you to really, really love that control pattern, that way of suppressing feelings. I really, really, really want to remind you of all the ways that that would have, if you go back to thinking about when perhaps you started that, all the ways that that would have protected you from feeling overwhelming feelings. Because as a baby or as a child, if we don't have the loving, supportive presence, emotional presence of an adult with us whilst we're feeling big feelings, they are overwhelming they're too much for us as little people especially if we haven't experienced a lot of presence and started to internalize that presence so how do you think about picking up that chocolate when you imagine all the times that eating that chocolate protected you from feeling completely overwhelmed with big feelings completely overwhelmed What about the ways that it might have protected you from perhaps being shamed or judged or punished? So in your family or at school, you might have been from the most subtle to the most intense, shamed, judged, punished. If you cried, for example, or raged or said no or said, this, I, I don't feel comfortable with this, I feel uncomfortable or I'm really sad right now or don't leave me or how dare you do that to me? All the ways where at some point in time doing more of that, expressing more of that would have led to more shaming, being being more punished. So again, do you feel differently towards that biscuit or cookie when you think about all the ways, all the times, probably hundreds, thousands, probably thousands, probably tens of thousands at times possibly. It's really protected you, it's kept you safe, it's protected you from more judgment, more harshness, more pain. How amazing is that? Aren't you incredibly grateful for that beautiful control pattern? Aren't you so glad that it was there for you? And you just want to give it a big hug. And also, when you think about how it might have met needs for you that really were not met. So as we talked about before, about meeting needs through eating. Perhaps when you felt really lonely as a child, chocolate bar or um, a 
packet of crisps or chips really just helped you feel a sense of, hmm, I'm not alone now. Perhaps you had a sense of inclusion by eating the same food that you saw other children at school eating, for example. Perhaps when you were really, really bored at school being taught stuff that you had no interest in, waiting to the break time, like, thank goodness there's something there that's stimulating and interesting that you enjoy. There are so many ways, I imagine, for most of us where eating food really met needs that were not being met at the time. So again, when you think of that, do you feel differently? Are you thinking differently when you're tempted to pick up one of those emotional sticks when you're noticing yourself reaching for the cupboard or the fridge again? Are you willing to put that stick down and actually really remember how amazing it was that you learned to do that in a culture where your feelings were not welcomed as the beautiful gifts that they are, where you didn't have the loving presence of a whole community around you whenever you felt upset, who all felt deeply comfortable with the biggest crying and the biggest, hugest rage, and just felt comfortable and relaxed in their bodies. Are you willing to drop those sticks and just really appreciate the the wisdom of learning to do these things, to protect you from all of these things, to protect you from feeling overwhelmed, from terrified, from alone, from being judged, being shamed, all of the myriad of things. And if you do have different thoughts now and different feelings, I imagine perhaps more compassion, what would help you remember to be deeply compassionate with yourself? And the paradox is that, you know, we were talking about at the beginning, that in our culture we're taught to do the opposite of compassion, to judge ourselves, and to do the opposite of willingness to coerce ourselves. That actually the more we can bring deep, warm compassion to ourselves, to our actions, to our bodies, to our eating control patterns, the more that beautiful emotional safety we feel, which actually means we're more likely to be willing to change. And really that is the paradox that the antidote to dissociation and suppression is warm compassionate presence the antidote to dissociation and suppression is warm compassionate presence so the more you can offer yourself that warm compassionate presence and often the more you we are willing to receive that externally because often because we didn't receive that we need to go through the process that we would have naturally gone through had we grown up in a culture where our parents knew how to love us unconditionally and to really offer that unconditional love in practical ways and to be with all of our feelings so often that's why I talk about the importance of having a listening partner or empathy buddy aware parenting instructor who can really be lovingly present with all of your feelings so that you gradually over time internalize that loving presence which is so much about what the Mary method and the inner loving presence work is about that we gradually internalize that 
just as we would have had we grown up in a culture where that was what we all received from our parents, our family and the adults around us. And of course we're all different, so each of us comes from a different family, different time, to each of us, some of us will have more compassionate inner dialogue, we might have done different amounts of inner work, others will have come from more harshness, so of course we're all in different places in that journey. And I want to say from me as someone who used to have some of the harshest inner dialogue of anyone I ever met, I was almost always feeling either guilt or shame, very competent at coercing myself to completely ignore my body and to do whatever I was being told to do, whatever I thought I should do, is that now my inner dialogue is deeply compassionate. I don't judge myself. I don't feel guilty. I rarely ever feel shame. And if so, it's usually for a few seconds before I can tend to the source of that. So it really is possible to really shift that and to to increasingly have that deeply compassionate inner dialogue. And the more we have that, the inner warmth, the inner presence, so it's not just thoughts, it is thoughts, but it's not just thoughts, it's warm, loving presence, it's compassion, it's love. The more we feel that, the more we are able to be present in our bodies with a wider and wider range of our feelings. So we increasingly feel comfortable with sadness, with grief, with outrage, with frustration, with fear, with terror, with overwhelm, with confusion. And so we less and less need to do things to suppress those feelings because we can be with it. Ah, feeling sad right now. That might even be we're noticing we're reaching for some food, but we might just notice, oh, I'm feeling sad right now. Ah. Hello, sadness. I'm here with you. I'm listening. And that might vary from time to time. There might be certain times where we're more stressed and so we have less available presence. That's where we need to reach out for that outer loving presence support. But in general, I would love to offer that the more we receive warm, compassionate presence externally and internally, the more we're able to be present with our feelings and the sensations that indicate needs and the less we need to do things such as eat to suppress feelings because we can be with, feel, express, release those feelings. So in general, reaching out for more support really helps. And I wonder if you've even noticed that. And I certainly have noticed at certain times where I've just had more time with loving friends have actually gone through something big and done lots of big crying and I noticed afterwards well gosh I don't feel at all called to reach out for anything remotely sweet or anything it's just like I just feel really present so you may have noticed things like that yourself I wonder if you have but what can you do so I'd love to offer a few suggestions as well as so I'm going to say as well as the, the, the most helpful thing I think in general to have fewer eating control patterns but also to be more connected in with what our bodies are telling us is to to receive more loving presence so 
if you haven't already got a listening partner or five, I really invite you to do that. If you're feeling called to work with an aware parenting instructor, I invite you to do that. If you're called to work with me, I invite you to reach out to me. I really invite you to see if you're willing to receive more loving support this year and to then notice what happens to your relationship with food. And again, that can be more specific. So you might specifically want to work with someone that could be your listening partner, your aware parenting instructor. You might specifically want to actually bring all of these different elements, but also expressing more feelings is also in general just going to help most of us. (laughs) But what about in the moment responses? So I'd love to offer a few different suggestions for practical things that you can also do. So... If you are noticing, I'm just about to reach for that chocolate. (laughs) One suggestion is to really drop those judgment sticks. You might even have a little mantra, like a Marian Method mantra, I'm not willing to judge myself. You might want to remember any of the thoughts or feelings you had when I was talking about how yummy, can you use the word yummy, how yummy your food control patterns are. The next thing might be to connect in with loving presence and compassion. So that might be reaching out. That might be if you use a a voice note app to connect with a listening partner or your aware parenting instructor just to to actually say, oh, and I've got some feelings. I'm just about to reach out for that chocolate. And oh, I notice "Mm, I'm feeling sad. Or you might have a friend or your a partner, if you have a partner right there with you, you can just turn around and say, God, I'm really noticing. I, I really want to eat that chocolate right now. Really just desperately want to eat it. And I notice, oh, I was just thinking X, Y, and Z. Or I, in our conversation, I just heard you say, or I just read something, or I just remembered something. And, oh, gosh, yes, when that happened, I noticed, I felt, oh, tense or oh scared or oh, sad or ah, frustrated or outraged or that might be doing that internally to yourself it might be if you have connected with your inner loving mother for example just you might hear from her i'm right here with you sweetheart really hear that you want to reach out for that chocolate or that wine I'm right here with you i'm listening So that loving presence is so, so, so core, so core, so important, so necessary to make sure we're not just finding some other way of suppressing or dissociating. Loving presence is vital. And the way I look at it, and I talk about that in my new book, I'm Here and I'm Listening, I often think about control patterns or mild dissociation, and you can think about it as it is like a mild freeze, is that we've we've kind of got a bit frozen. And those feelings that are like running water have become a bit icy or very icy. And it's the warmth, it's the loving warmth, the presence that melts the ice so it becomes water again, so it can flow. So that can be a helpful thing to remember. And you can see they're informed by aware parenting, but also part of the Marion method in terms of our reparenting is the third thing I would remind you is to know that you have choice. 
so that you're still free to do that thing, not to coerce yourself, not to say, you know, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't have it. I shouldn't have it. Not to say, well, I should listen to my feelings now. I should reach out to my listening partner. No, I invite you to know that you still have those beautiful will needs to choose. You still might choose to eat the chocolate. And I invite you to... If you do do that, you might even just notice what are the sensations whilst you're eating the chocolate. Because as I've talked about in other episodes, being more present with the sensations whilst we're eating is again the antidote. The antidote is presence. So that's a way of bringing more presence to our body, noticing, oh gosh, this is so yummy. I love this. Oh, the the flavor of the the mint in the chocolate or oh that's zingy isn't it and oh I can feel that and that particular sensation on my tongue or oh that's particularly chewy or smooth or whatever it is that you're noticing the sensations and again just if you do still eat the thing and you might eat the thing and not do any of that you might just go I'm really upset right now clearly I don't want to know what the feelings are I'm just going to eat the chocolate I'm not going to inquire then. I'm not going to reach out to my listening partner. I'm eating the chocolate, but to still not judge yourself. Because, again, the more we know that the emotional presence is there, the more we will feel the feelings. No reason ever to be harsh with ourselves. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever. It doesn't help. It always will mean that we have more feelings. I want to remind you, if you're picking up the guilt sticks, then you're going to have more painful feelings, guilt, and you're more likely to eat more to suppress the feelings and in fact it's a a cycle I think is really common it's something I remember in my early 20s I used to do that I used to eat to suppress my feelings and then I would judge myself and then I feel so uncomfortable because of all the ways I was judging myself then I'd want to eat more and actually had a really powerful experience a few years ago with a mentee who came specifically in terms of it Um, her relationship with food and we just started off doing the Mary method work in relation to helping her get free from guilt because she she did that similar thing where she would eat to suppress feelings she would eat more than her body needed and then she would pick up the guilt sticks and all we did was work on putting down the guilt sticks and be deeply compassionate with herself We did this work with getting free from guilt. She got free from guilt in a few months and the whole eating pattern just dropped away. It was all tied up with the guilt. It was so powerful. And if you're listening, you know who you are. And every now and again when when I'm sharing about getting free from guilt, this wonderful woman comes in and just shares about how life-changing that was for her. So I just really want to let you know Getting free from guilt itself, being compassionate with ourselves, can itself be transformative in so many ways. So I wonder how you feel when you hear this. What else can we do? Well, as you know with children, you might probably know if you know where parenting already is when children have control patterns, one of the most helpful ways, as well as us supporting ourselves to see if we can be more emotionally present is attachment play so we can also do attachment play with our own control patterns whilst also 
bearing in mind that something as always to be really nuanced with to really listen into ourselves because sometimes we might have some really big feelings and attachment play is not the thing because we just need to cry a rage and attachment play is not going to be a empathic response to that it can be really helpful if we do it with someone else just say attachment play is most powerful for children when it's with an adult doing attachment play with another adult so if you have a friend perhaps and you're both wanting to or your listening partner and you're both wanting to shift your relationship with food this year you might do some playful attachment play around food and that might be again this is something i've done with mentees in the past uh, just be with them whilst they they eat their particular favorite sweet or lolly or candy depending where you are in the world and i just remember one particular session where i sat with this gorgeous woman and just loved her and asked her what she loved about each one and just just really gave her that unconditional love because again most of us not only didn't have that emotional presence we needed as children to feel our feelings but then when we eight to suppress our feelings we perhaps might have then got judged on the top so meeting that the eating to suppress with absolute love and wonder and delight like oh you really love those and they really help you and what do you love about them and what is it exactly about them and how do you feel when you eat them that's really powerful so that might be like eating together more often or or having like a party or you notice yourself going to the fridge for more whatever it is that you like cookies you might want to just have a little song that you make up i'm going for more chocolate or chocolate 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 da 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 jumping around the kitchen i don't know make it fun have fun with it having a particular song or a dance can be helpful so touch and play can be a really helpful way of being playful with it there might even be you're reaching for the um, cookies or biscuits and maybe you could almost have a conversation with them you you become the cookie or the biscuit no don't eat me oh yes eat me eat me oh, i love being eaten no don't eat me ow, ow, ow. just like you might do with a child you can do that for yourself or again if you're with your partner or a friend are they willing to to support you with that and just again have fun there are so many ways in which playfulness releases all kinds of feelings releases uncomfortableness releases agitation any kind of light shame those kinds of things that's really really helpful and again we might have grown up in a family where there was a lot of tension and strictness around food so actually being playful and laughing in itself might be really healing and part of the return to our bodies as always i really want to remind you about the balance of attention just as with children it's really important that we are listening in always to that balance of attention between the emotional safety and presence in the here and now and the the reconnecting with the feelings from the past it's really important to hold that in mind so if you've got some really huge massive feelings bubbling up as i say it's like either touch and play probably isn't the thing only you're going to know whether that's helpful and that's also really relevant with loving limits with eating control patterns so that's another thing again many people at this time of year might do that i really want to remind you that if you have thought of doing that 
that if you're saying no, you know, like, oh, I really want to not eat whatever it is this year, crisps. Don't, I, I don't want to eat crisps this year. But if that's one of your major ways of suppressing feelings, if you don't put into place lots of listening where your feelings can come out safely, where you feel the emotional safety to express the feelings that the eating the chips is suppressing, you're just going to need to find other ways to suppress or dissociate. Or you might go back to eating the chips and just being harsh with yourself. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. Perhaps you, in inverted commas, gave up chocolate, but then you ended up do, doing some other control pattern, much more like more social media or whatever it is for you, being really, really busy, <laughs> tidying the house all the time, whatever it is for you. So if you do want to offer a loving limit to a control pattern, in other words, you want to say no to it around food, really invite you to do that from a place of willingness so you're doing it because you really want to stop so you're wanting to say no to that not because you think you should or you have to so that might be more of a I want to stop drinking a glass of wine before bed rather than I should stop drinking it if you're familiar with the Marian method work I'd recommend some willingness work so that it becomes not only I don't want to drink the glass of wine before bed to I'm not willing to and from I do want to whatever the whatever you want to do instead I do want to reach out for support and to move from wanting to willingness another thing that's so important if you do offer that loving limit to do it from a place of being really compassionate with yourself and the reasons why you use that control pattern rather than from self-judgment so it's really, again, the more you have that compassion for all the reasons I talked about earlier, <laughs> so much supportive. Because again, if you're judging yourself, those are thoughts, feelings, and you're actually going to have more painful feelings to be with in your body. And in particular, to have extra support and listening time, empathy already in place to really know if for this new year you want to or whenever you might be listening to this at some other complete other time hello to future you in the future how is it <laughs> i invite you to increase the amount of listening time that you have so if you already have some listening partners you might want to just of course be letting them know that you're going to be reaching out more you might want to increase the amount of listening time that you have you might want to get more support from a, a parenting instructor so important and also other things that can support your body that are nourishing and helpful for you. Uh, I would also recommend not doing it if you're already really stressed or you've got lots of big feelings, you're really overwhelmed or you're just about to move house or you're just about to go through a separation or you, if you're going through a big time in your life, it's not a, generally not a helpful time to give up an eating control pattern because you have more feelings so you've already got them all the extra feelings and then you've got the extra feelings that are going to be bubbling up because you're not suppressing them so those kinds of things are really really helpful please remind yourself that this this control pattern could have morphed you might have started this off as a baby i don't know how old you are but you might have often been fed when you needed to cry you might be holding in so many big intense feelings so 
most of all, I invite to be really gentle with yourself, really, 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 really gentle with yourself. And in general, actually, I wouldn't recommend a loving limit with food. I would recommend much more this kind of self-connected relationship, a gradual, gentle listening into your body and working with more willingness rather than loving limits and coming to a place where gradually over time, perhaps you just are eating that less and less and less because you are doing all the other things you're already putting in listening time you're already saying no more you're already reducing your stress levels you're already getting more needs met you're already being more compassionate with yourself all of those things are changing so that you just naturally have fewer feelings to suppress and feel more comfortable to be with those feelings so of course do whatever you want to. I so support you with that if you have a big no. And there might be health reasons, for example, that you really want to say no to particular food. And of course, given the whole topic, this is just the part three, there might be foods that you're eating that's not a control pattern, but it's more from thought conditioning or other physiological things. So of course, please take that into account as well. And so... You might be wanting to change the food you eat because you're changing the way you're thinking. You might be changing the food you eat because you're tending to something that's going on physiologically for you or a particular food that actually has got elements in it that are making the the signal from your body not clear. I can't think of the word. There's a word for that. I'm sure you know what I mean. So as always, each of us is going to be so different loving compassion and presence is going to be really helpful whatever you're working with it's a really complex topic and what I love is really holding in mind and I wonder if you'd like to hold that in mind that we're not moving forward with just more I should should do this I should have a more connected relationship with my body and food or I should give up this control pattern no not less and less eating craving things because we're denying ourselves and telling ourselves we shouldn't have them but more and more increasingly because we are more and more freeing ourselves from cultural conditioning honoring and welcoming our beautiful needs feeling more and more comfortable to feel our feelings and to have loving support to express them so that we can just increasingly live from our innate incredible wisdom so that the more and more percentage of the time we are really listening in to our incredibly wise bodies and their deep knowing about exactly what we need when we need how long we need it for and when we're called to stop and that it can even be a really fun experiment I know for me I really enjoy the funness of the experiment of like oh what what oh I'm really wanting when I go to my lovely local health food shore shore shop that's a cross between shop and store and the particular things that I want and I really really want that and oh like recently oh I'd love to share this with you they started selling organic blackberries now for me blackberries are things that I used to pick from the hedgerows when I lived in England when I grew up in England I've got really beautiful memories of when we used to have a little caravan from the Romani people that my great grand uncle bought from the Romani people a long time ago and we had a little plot of land where it was on an island in the River Thames in England and 
I remember every late summer we'd go along and there was, I can even remember right exactly where they were, where we would first find them and eating blackberries. And I haven't eaten a blackberry in at least 13 years since I was last in England. So the first time I got them, I was oh my gosh. And I showed them to my mum and my daughter and they had one too. And it's just like, oh my gosh, the flavour and all the memories and just everything about it. Even just, you know, remembering again, having this conversation with you. So I really want to remind you, food because of course flavor taste smell is so related to memory that there are so many ways that food is related to feelings to meaning to you're really touching things i imagine you probably have your own version of what i've just shared something where you can probably remember a particular birthday party or a particular experience you had in your life that was really meaningful and significant for you where you feel really moved or touched or that was traumatic or scary and that that food was there. So again, I just really invite us to be really loving and gentle with ourselves and to, yeah, that's what I was talking about, wasn't I? Being curious and seeing if you can enjoy the process of like, oh, what am I drawn to and what do I want to eat at this particular time of year? And it can become, if it isn't already for you, really more and more and more increasingly enjoyable experience. So was there anything else I wanted to share with you? I've got so many stories that I could share. (laughs) So porridge, love. One year I just wanted to eat massive, huge amounts of porridge and I felt this deep sense of wholeness. That's the only word I can explain. And so much of my ancestors there from Scotland and they've been eating a lot of porridge. Anyway, I just felt this like, oh yes, this is so it. I've got a whole story about soy milk and menopause. Have I shared that one with you? Anyway, we can really trust our bodies and the more we trust them, the more we in that particular case I found out afterwards oh my gosh now I understand exactly what was happening and why that was so helpful and why I had virtually no symptoms so increasingly trusting ourselves being compassionate with ourselves finding that joy that increasingly we're we are eating from that deep self-listening we are returning to that really connected relationship with our body where we know that our body really knows exactly what to eat when to eat how much to eat and how that deeply increases the presence that we can feel in our body the trust that we have in ourselves and our body the the connection that we have with ourselves with our body with our needs with our environment with others can be incredibly beautiful and I'm noticing here I've got written down quite a few different stories here so hmm well let me know pop me a message if you want to hear any of them I've got lots of stories to share I might even come back later and share some of these on a different episode and just also remembering that in so many cultures food is a way to express love it's a way that love is seen to be expressed so Again, the more we are willing to receive love, just anyway, unconditionally, the more that need is met, the, the more we can really freely choose to eat rather than eat because we are trying to meet other needs such as love. Wowzers, this was quite a big one, wasn't it? I 
realised as I was talking, gosh, this is a topic I'm really passionate about. I could talk many more episodes. I would love to hear if we're connected in any way, if we're connected in one of my courses, in a mentoring, if you're on my newsletter, you follow me on social media and you have anything you want to share as you've been listening to this, I would love to hear from you. So please reach out through any one of those formats. I would love to hear if you have any thoughts, questions, feelings, needs. I'm here, I'm listening, I'm sending you so much love. And however your relationship with food is right now, I'm really willing for it to be even more enjoyable, for you to be even more deeply connected with yourself, for you to even more deeply trust your innate wisdom, that that your body is so wise and that you really can trust your body as well as be deeply compassionate with all the ways that you needed to override that innate wisdom growing up in the family and culture you did, whether that's through thoughts and information, whether that's through meeting other needs through food, or whether that's through suppression and dissociation. I'm so willing for a beautiful year with food for you. And thank you so much for listening, as always. What else did I want to share? The book's coming out soon. Did I mention that? I'm here and I'm listening. It's coming out really soon. I have other courses and offerings coming out really soon as well. What else? Was there anything else? Ah, I still do have some mentoring places. So if you'd like to experience me walking with you with aware parenting and the Marian method for your own reparenting and reculturing, I would love to see if we are fit and if we're fit now so please reach out to me if that's something you're interested in and I look forward to seeing you in wherever that may be in any of these formats and channels and ways and I am sending you so much love and I wonder if you're willing to really enjoy the next food that you eat and to savor it and to have fun with it and to to be really curious into your journey over the upcoming days and weeks with food and eating and again if this has been big for you please 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 extra extra reach out for support it's so important that you listen to yourself i really invite you to do that and big hugs from me